hinting at that in the trailers, right? Because a big line from the trailers is this time no rules. And it's right. like, whoa, you mean last time when he murdered a whole family that was <laughs> yeah. rules? That was <laughs> those, rules. Happening. Those are rules? Whoa, dude. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 506 with a review of Sicario, Day of the Soldado. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Garson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week... We are joined once again uh, by by guest Carson Patrick, <laughs> longtime uh, fan of the show. <laughs> Thank you. Me um, and Cayman are the only ones keeping this together. <laughs> longtime lurker, three hundred fiftieth time caller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but yes, I mean we're we're here. We're reviewing a Josh Brolin film. We're reviewing a film that you uh, reviewed the original for. Um, so you know it's all. Synergistic and all that I, jazz. I actually was wasn't he on, on the review. Were, were you not I, on the review? I think he wasn't. I was not. No, I but remember I getting did. angry texts about Roger Deakins like a week later. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nobody mentioned Roger Deakins, obviously. Um, no, I wasn't on that. Uh, the first one, but I had the first movie in my uh, top five for uh, the year that that came out. Well, I remember that. Everything I said still holds. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, how, how are you guys doing? This fine evening, I'm doing good. Uh, so, Chris and I just came from a draft house Q and A of a movie that we will probably be reviewing after this, pending how late it is. <laughs> oh, j- um, good luck. <laughs> yeah, so feeling good. Glad to have Carson with us again. Yep. How, how you doing, Carson? I'm good. I guess I'll take this time to uh, respond to uh, the the very. A nice comment that our number one super fan came in left us on the Infinity Brunch review because it was uh, pretty long and uh, I'm lazy so I just decided <laughs> to respond in person also I feel like I don't know if we ever got confirmation but I feel like uh, if we're pronouncing your name wrong came in like you can tell us because you know we don't want to sound like dumbasses like I just you know that's just how I assumed but uh, anyway, uh, but no, I wanted to, to point out because uh, he did mention something in that comment. And I do want to say that, yes, I have seen the motion picture Gods of Egypt. And uh, <laughs> of course, of course I have. And yes, it is a, 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 a wonderful movie. Um, I was there opening day I, and uh, I don't th- I feel like I mentioned it on here before, but maybe not. Like, maybe it was only off-air, but um, I know we didn't review it because I went back and, and and looked, and it had come out the same weekend as Eddie the Eagle and Triple Nine. First, mm. of, all, what a, first of all, what a weekend. But um, sec- <laughs> secondly... Three for three. Like, yeah, seriously. But like, secondly, you know, um, I think Chris had already triple nine himself uh, <laughs> over that movie, and Chris then nearly I nearly walked out of that movie, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I, I put that whole movie in my rear view. And then, like, I like used up all my energy to get him to go see Eddie the Eagle. So I feel like Gods of Egypt was just like totally out of the question. Um, yeah. and which in hindsight, Eddie the Eagle, which 
was fantastic. Um, yes. And I loved, absolutely. Uh, I don't think I would have felt the same about the other film. But I had to convince him, which was, I, you know, that was a whole other thing. In hindsight, you shouldn't have needed convincing. Yeah, but I just didn't want to be a ski jumper. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, we talk about some of these movies that are... Uh, it's kind of hitting the so so bad it's good level. You know, it's in the same vein as like Seventh Son or uh, The Great Wall or The Last Witch Hunter. Um, yeah, it's just, a, you know, it's a really like goofy, stupid, fun movie um, that features a lot of wonderful things such as G-Butts flying around on a golden chariot piloted why, by... Why a, do I feel like I've seen that before? <laughs> by, <laughs> by a giant scarab beetle. Um, yeah. And then like, so I'm just going to go cause he wanted this. So indulge me. Um, so the other two best parts of gods of Egypt is that two, it features a, uh, a pre MCU Chadwick Boseman as like one of the gods. I don't remember which one, but he has like, he has like multiplicity powers so there's like a bunch of clones of him walking around and he's talking pull like a Loki. A, that's cool. <laughs> he like the in the movie, he speaks in like a really over the top British accent. So that's fun. Um, but the best part is that Jeffrey Rush plays the sun god Ra and they interpret Ra as this old dude sitting on like a glittery barge floating in space above. I shit you not a flat earth. So he's like controlling flat earth and like the sun with this like lever pulley thing. And uh, and at one point he's like talking to the main dude and there's there he gets hit, <laughs> he gets shit on by a bird. And you're just like and he's like, oh, like he says, like, oh, shit. And you're just like, <laughs> yep, he just got shit on by a space bird. <laughs> so my problem is I that's had, gods of Egypt. <laughs> I, I had heard some like so bad it's good talk about gods of Egypt when it came to. I think, like, VOD is when a lot of people wound up catching it. Yeah. Um, and my problem is, in my head, that was the same movie as Exodus, Gods and Kings for, like, a year. <laughs> so in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, I saw that, you know, foppish Ben Mendelsohn as a pharaoh or something. And, right. And it, and it wasn't until, like, fairly recently that I looked it up and realized that, no, Gods of Egypt is a totally different kind of bad movie and one yeah. that i probably like more than Exodus, Gods and Kings, at least. Oh, it was way better than that. I mean, because Exodus was, like, the serious take. And this is like the completely. <laughs> Are they a take on unserious. the same thing, technically? <laughs> eh, not really, but I guess same time period, sort of. But but does Christian Bale suddenly start speaking in a Scottish accent in this movie, like he does <laughs> randomly a, in the middle of lot, God, well, Exodus Gods and Kings? Well, there's a G Buds has his uh, regular accent in the in the movie. I think like everyone had their own accent because they just didn't care. Um, but it was one of those movies that kind of like got the the whitewashing uh, controversial backlash and stuff. But it was they didn't like, even walk like Egyptians. You know, <laughs> I mean, I just described to you Jeffrey Rush getting shit on by a space bird. I'm pretty sure the movie wasn't going for realism. So, um, yeah. And, yeah. And I feel like people did later, like once it came to DVD and stuff, they kind of started realizing it was uh, it was it's pretty fun. So there you go. Gods of Egypt. Go watch I'll, it. I'll, I'll watch it. When I finish all of Game of Thrones, I'll, I'll go back and watch it. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how Steven hasn't watched this on a plane outside of the fact that yeah, he thought he had like already a, watched it. That is yeah. probably why. 
I, I I'll I'll tell you right now that it's better than anything in Game of Thrones, and it stars Jamie Lannister. Oh, is in Gods of Egypt. He's the main guy in that. The sister fucker himself. Oh yes. <laughs> All right. Well, on the sister fucker note, <laughs> what do you say we get into a review of Sicario Deo the Soldado? All right, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for this film, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. I know who you are. You're the attorney whose family they killed. Not they. My father. And now you hunt them. There's proof the cartel helped the terrorists get to the border. The president's adding drug cartels to the list of terrorist organizations. You can understand how that will expand our ability to combat them. You want to see this thing through? I'm going to have to get dirty. Dirty is exactly why you're here. You're gonna help us start a war. With who? Everyone. No rules this time. start a war between the Mexican cartels, not with the Mexican government. This girl was witness to the mission, correct? Yes, sir. We can't risk her falling into the wrong hands. Clean the scene. They want me to cut ties. You gotta get rid of her. I can't do that. Don't put me in that situation. You gotta do what you gotta do. I'm gonna need a strike team to a Blackhawks. Drones with attack capability. Where's the coup? Mexico. You have no reason to trust me. But trusting me is how you're gonna survive. Good luck. Luck doesn't live on this side of the border. All right, so that was the trailer to Sicario, Day of the Soldado. Um, basically, it was a follow-up to the film Sicario. And essentially, um, you know, the, the government is upset about these drug cartels letting terrorists into <coughs> our borders. And uh, they have decided that we are going to label drug cartels as terrorist organizations, which gives us some sort of power to go in and try to mess with them. And... Um, Josh Brolin's little ragtag group of mercenaries is sent in across the border to try to do some stuff that will possibly start a war between the various uh, drug cartels in Mexico. And uh, yeah, we follow that attempt and uh, the aftermath of it. So, Chris, are we, you're huh? going to help me start a war. <laughs> on, on whom? With who? <laughs> Everyone. With whom Everyone. shall we war? Everyone will snap my fingers and you're all going to be dust. Half of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Only half. I'm a nice guy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So anyways, um, 
So yeah, do we want do we do, do you want to start this one off, Carson? Do you want to do, do you want to start off sure. on some sort of level? Sure. The one guy, um, Army of One. I can go first. Um, yeah, like well, see, before I kind of got a sneak preview of how this was gonna go, but that's okay. Um, but uh, I mean, I really liked the first Sicario, obviously, as I mentioned. Um, I you know, didn't ever think it would get a sequel because it didn't seem like it needed one at all. Um, and especially since uh, Denis wasn't returning. But um, I like the idea of Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro coming back because I, I like their characters in the first movie, uh, especially Benicio Del Toro. I thought his character was, was really cool in the first one. Um, so... The idea of having them come back and seeing that first trailer, I was like, all right, well, this is a movie I can get behind, you know? Um, and, uh, I mean, I think this movie totally delivered. In some ways, I think it's even better than the first movie. Um, Hot in the same. Take. <laughs> <laughs> And if I can get, a, get a, even more of a hot take, I think, like, if you were to compare the first Sicario to Jurassic Park, in that that is the classic that we all know and love, but this one is Lost World, which is kind of low-key the better one, you know? Like, if you're going to put on a Jurassic... Now, to be fair, you, you didn't say Lost... Uh, Fallen Kingdom, right? You're no, saying Lost no, World. no, not Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> there is not a person on the, the planet Spielberg that thinks was. The Lost World is better than Jurassic Park. I think it's it's uh, some of it's better. I mean, I thought it was better when I, I, I was like... I have good memories of it. I can't actually argue that point. Jesus I'm, Christ. <laughs> the, Lost, the Lost World is an underrated sequel. Uh, the, Jurassic Park is one of the best films ever made. I know. <laughs> I agree. It's my favorite movie. Like, Lost I'm not, World is not anywhere close to it. Dude, Lost World is is up there. Dude, have you have you seen it? Go rewatch it. I yeah, know, you don't, I know you don't have time for anything, but go rewatch it. Lost World sounds like Chris's wet dream of a <laughs> long-form mystery box TV show. <laughs> Dude, did you check Lost World? <laughs> the um, robots know, are on an island. I know it's not Westworld, but I mean, it's it's got Jeff Goldblum, so... Um, anyway, but I just think that the Lost World, for me, like, that that movie took what you loved about the first Jurassic Park, which was jeff goldblum and it just doubled down on that and it gave you like a bunch of like great zingers and it, it gave you more dinosaurs and action and like I, if you're gonna we, if you're gonna put on had, a, we must not have had the conversation about how i grew up wanting to be a paleontologist <laughs> because uh, as the, though i love jeff goldblum in jurassic park that is not he is not everything i love about jurassic park gosh this analogy is not working um but i'm just saying like like i feel like you know they're taking I mean, anyway, um, I I think uh, anyway. I'll just go. Never mind. This we'll drop that. That didn't work. Oh, we can cut this out. Um, I don't even know where I was. Oh, okay. Well, okay. So Sicario two. Um, yeah. I mean, I I had a uh, high expectations for it. I thought it delivered. Um, I, I when it opened, I will say, uh, well. I appreciated the fact that this movie is just bleak as hell. Like, I, 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 I like the idea of a movie that just knows we're circling the drain and just embraces that with a giant bear hug. Like, I, I, I like the, just the completely, um, like, there's no good guys whatsoever. Like, 
Emily Blunt was her character was like the one, you know, person who was kind of like challenging the evil stuff that was going on and like, you know, trying she was sort of like an audience surrogate. Yeah, and um, she fails <laughs> miserably by the end. And and I mean like that is yeah, and and that's kind of like the point of the first one is that like, you know, also too is that like the you know, the the good guys don't always win and shit like that everything's fucked up and um and now they've eliminated her like her character is not in the movie which makes sense um from what happens in the last one um and now it's just just all bad people and it's like well like i appreciate the fact that they just go all in on the the badness like that um that just showing you like that all sides are are fucked up um and, uh, yeah, I mean, like, in the beginning, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. But then once it, like, once I see, I saw, like, what they were doing, um, I definitely, I definitely had to give them props for it. And, like, I will say, like, you know, like I said, the beginning of this movie is, like, dark as hell. Like, I was like, you know, are we sure we're not watching, like, The First Purge or something? Like, because, like, you know, like, I feel like usually like when you get like grim stuff like this you know like i've been vocal about like i think the purge movies are just stupid and like they're just like so grim there's like no entertainment value in any of those movies um and you know it's just like it's it's almost like grim for grim's sake like there's nothing to it um and i'm some sure some people would argue uh about the same for this movie but uh, I don't. I just this is a much like better crafted and executed movie. Uh, but I also think it stays kind of still firmly planted in the movie world too, because um, you know just things that happen toward the end of the movie and stuff with uh, Benicio's character are extremely implausible and uh, like borderline absurd. But uh, like I, I thought it really entertaining, like movie wise. I think like um, I I thought it had the same like uh, feeling and intensity of like a Catherine Bigelow movie. Like I, I feel like especially like her later stuff. Like I definitely got Zero Dark Thirty vibes. Yeah, <laughs> from this movie. Like Zero Dark Thirty and Hurt Locker, where they're blending uh, realism and 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 real events with uh, with an action movie. Um, so yeah, like I I mean. I really like this movie. Uh, I think it fits well with like, I feel like, you know, a lot of the movies I've liked this year have just been these really nihilistic, uh, the feel bad movie of the year, you know, stuff like that. The feel bad movie we need right now. Um, yeah, like you were never really here. And, uh, the Fahrenheit 451, the new one that Rami Barani did, uh, I think all these movies like fit together very nicely. Um, uh, but I, I, you know, I like that they're, that they, they take the risk and they, they, uh, it's done really well. Um, so yeah, like I obviously, I feel like it's pretty, I feel like this tracks like that I'm on board with this and now Steven will tell me why I'm completely wrong. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, I, I'm assuming that Chris didn't like it either because it's unlikable characters and stuff. I don't know. But uh, I feel like at least from my end, the, it's pretty on brand that, like, I, like, would defend this movie. Um, but, I mean, you know. 
Sure, and, and so you do if, you. Do but, you. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. That, so that seems like a a, a good enough segue <laughs> um, to to get out all of our feelings. So one thing I'm going to say is, I at least partly agree with you in that I think this movie builds on the bleakness of the first one. I think its construction, if you ignore the plot, which is dumb as hell and gets very, very, very dumb by the end of this movie, which I imagine with Chris's head nodding is going to be part of his problem with this movie. Uh-oh. Um, but if you if if I ignore the plot part, I think this builds mood pretty well. It builds that like dark, bleak sense of violence. There are definitely moments that are intense and thrilling. And I don't think it is as good at that as the first movie. Like historically, the first movie when we reviewed it, Chris and I, I was like medium on it. I I really liked the first half. I liked the Juarez scenes. I thought the the way Denis Villeneuve built Dread was very very good. But I felt like the movie didn't have a point, and I felt by the end of the movie it was just spiraling into ridiculousness. Um, and this movie is basically that second half of the movie just extended for a whole sequel, right? This is a movie that is just all Benicio Del Toro being ridiculous and absent the posturing of a point. So from a filmmaking stance, if I could like totally separate that from how I felt about it, I would kind of be on board. I would be like, this is a B version. It's more ridiculous than the first. But tonally speaking, it's like constructed well and it it hits those feelings. What I really, really, really disliked about this movie is the same thing that I'm realizing I just don't like about Taylor Sheridan at all, which is that I think Sicario, the original, postured as being this movie that had, like, big things to say. Like, I feel like Taylor Sheridan's a dick, right? We Chris and I saw him do a Q&A after Hell or High Water. And, which like, was we, the best Q&A I've ever seen. Yeah, but, like, you know, we, we wanted to see Chris Pine and, Pine and Jeff Bridges talk about stuff, and instead drunk Taylor <laughs> Sheridan is like, here's what... Let me race talk in to America. You about cops. <laughs> Let me tell you what'll really solve race in America. And it's just like Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Nobody is here to see you right now. Oh, I yeah. I mean, I'm he does have a very slappable face. I'm not gonna yeah. I'll give you that. He he is very slappable. Well he um, also got he also got I don't know if you heard he got in trouble, which made me laugh on uh Wind River. Um, you know, this isn't a spoiler, but like, you know, it opens with a woman getting murdered, a Native American woman. And she like people got mad because like he went around boasting like, oh, yeah, like my movie's so sick, guys, because I got all Native American cast members. And then like the woman who gets killed in the beginning was like half. She like was like maybe like, you know, so they got mad that he like went around saying like it's authentic. Boo. Yeah. Anyway. That, that seems on brand. But so, <laughs> so I feel like w- what frustrated me about Sicario is it had like the first half of a movie that feels like like a Catherine Bigelow movie. It's like this is going to tell me something powerful and it's going to use violence to set the mood to convey a real time and place or convey a feeling. And I think like Zero Dark Thirty has its haters and I'm not among them like. Maybe if I rewatched it now, I would have nitpicks, but I, I liked Zero Dark Thirty at the time. I think it it showed a real world where morality was gray and bleak and people were not always making the right decision, but it was telling a story about a real thing and like it, it served a purpose. And Sicario, the way it goes off the rails in the end, it is serving no purpose. Like it, it I, I called it like Rock Against Bush 
the movie version where it's like i'm angry i'm a bunch of junior hires mashing our heads to green day saying like fuck the government but i don't have a clue what i'm trying to say like i don't actually know what i'm talking about and this movie from the opening it's got like suicide bombers saying alu akbar and then exploding like a kmart in front of us with innocent people and children and the camera lingers so it can get just another explosion and then another and right from the get-go i felt like you fucking better have an idea what you're doing, right? Like, you better have a really, really good idea that justifies making the movie this bleak in this real life. Yeah. And, and and not to be too spoilery, but there's literally a scene later on in the film that explains that it was not worth doing that. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. So, so and the movie goes <laughs> on, and there's, like, a scene in Somalia that is very Zero Dark Thirty, where it's like, I'm going to show, like, government torture and really cruel things that people would do in a time of war and i hope that wasn't the pool boy (laughs) (laughs) like all of that could be fine right like any anything can be used in any movie like i'm not a purist about any of that but the way the way this movie just did it to double down on bleakness only to like not have any point except the bleakness like I don't think this movie has, like, an evil point. I don't think it's Trumpian or whatever people are calling it. I just think this movie doesn't know what it's doing. And it, like, decided that the border is a good place to tell this, like, super nihilistic, bleak, bleak, bleak story. And to to me, it just, like, angered me. I, I couldn't enjoy it. It was the the kind of darkness that you talk about with the Purge movies, Carson, where it just felt like it was piling on darkness to be, like, edgecore or something. And it wasn't doing anything interesting or new with it like i'm i'm watching game of thrones now finally and the thing i i like game of thrones because i like the palace intrigue i like all the like clever twisting and strategy and all the stuff in column a and i don't like when game of thrones is just like let's linger on violence and incest and let's like linger on all these like dark things just for the fuck of it right and this movie to me just felt like a let's be as dark as possible for no good reason and I don't, it, it made me mad I, I i thought it was like just not a good way to handle the movie it, it just felt gross i don't know. i i didn't like i felt the dread and i felt a little bit of the fist pumping by the end but i just like yeah, hated myself for it like there, there was nothing fun to me about watching the movie so that's how i feel like i, I think it did a fine job i just did, i really didn't like what it went and i didn't feel like it had like Denis Villeneuve or Emily Blunt or Deacons, like like any of these things that could elevate it into at least feeling artful. It just kind of felt like dour for no good reason. Yeah, so I think that uh, the first time we went around for Sicario, I, I liked it the least out of everybody. Um, um, I, I gave it a wait for rental. Um, I think, Stephen, you were at a Reckoner of the Caveat. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just sort of like, there were moments of it that I really loved, but overall... Kind of as Steven's been saying, I didn't really see the point of the film or know what it was doing. Um, uh, as you guys have sort of touched on, that film did have Emily Blunt. There is the per- like the rational mind who is witnessing this firsthand. She's sort of an aud- audience surrogate who's like, hey, uh, I don't know if any of this is right. Um, we're supposed to get on on her side. Uh, Benicio del-, del Toro is like basically the main subject of the film. He's like this hitman who's working with this mercenary group to like try to do all the shit and accomplish goals even beyond the reach they have. Um, 
there are these moments in that first film that are just absolutely fantastic. The first time that they go into Juarez in their little like caravan, so much like you really get a sense of like, fuck, this place is scary. Like these cartels are gnarly. They're completely unchecked. Um, they're just a very scary, formidable force to exist. And you're kind of like, I don't know if we have the right to go fight them, but I can see why they'd be bad guys that we would want to stop because they're just like chopping people up and hanging them from the streets and um, like there's at least some sense of like, okay, even if we're going about it the wrong way, maybe it's okay to fight these, these people. Um, in this film, um, like it tries to do scenes like that, 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 like, so in that initial border scene, like it's just people going through a border checkpoint, (laughs) like doing their routine movements. And you're just like, Oh shit, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And this film, you're like, Oh, they're doing another border run they're going to be in a caravan. We know the caravan has to get ambushed at some times, but that dread's not there. And I don't know if that's a symptom of just this being a second film and you're seeing a scene that you've already seen before, um, but it didn't even build the tension in that same way. I remember being on the edge of my seat in the first film, just wondering when, if people who were, like, people who have guns who are scared to use them potentially going to use them like there was just just this idea of like who's going to shoot first what's going to happen how is this going to go down in this film it's like okay when are people going to start firing at each other because we know that has to happen because that's the film we're watching um i think that in general i i i'm fine with the idea of the government has decided that terrorists or that 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 um that the cartels are essentially terrorist groups and they're going to treat them like that. I'm kind of fine with that being the jumping off point for the story. It doesn't really justify how that connection is made. <laughs> um, it, in fact, goes back on itself as far as the justification that it makes. Um, so that is somewhat problematic. But in general, I just think this story is wholly uninteresting. <laughs> um, I, I never really feel the same sense um, of dread that I felt in the previous film. I'm just watching people try to be... Um, on, like it, it's like when you watch the later seasons of 24 where you're like oh is Jack Bauer just going to punch a woman out a window yes he is like you're just waiting for them to do the bad stuff that is off the book and under the like outside the watch of the the government you have like you know the the the, the guy in the suit back in Washington who's like I'm not going to tell you what to do I'm signing off. You make the decision on your end. Like everybody's going to be like, oh, plausible deniability. We're going to do bad shit. And I don't think that there's a fun level to that. It's not a person going off book doing the necessary thing to be good. It's just a person being like, oh, we're unchecked and we're going to do yeah, all it, sorts of shit. It's not the equalizer. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, like, oh, um, man. Dude, the equalizer too looks like a straight up comedy. I'm so down for that <laughs> Oh, one. my gosh. Why is there like a lift ad in like the beginning of the trailer? <laughs> Amy's getting five stars. I'm like, like, yeah, I'm like, I'm down, but also like, uh, this kind of looks straight to video, straight to HBO Go for sure. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't know. But but anyway, so I, I I feel like this film is just a retread of the last one without any like upping the ante or upping the stakes. Like the, the, the last film had a young boy that we watch seemingly and unconsequentially go about his life on the side who will eventually be plugged into the story to be a major connection to the events at the end of the film. Um, and yeah. this film is like, well, I mean, Jurassic world was so well written too, you know, I, 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 I didn't say <laughs> Jurassic world was a fantastic film. Um, I know, but you're putting your nitpick hat back on. 
But you had it off surprisingly for uh, for that movie. No, but I I said Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was dumb as hell. But I know I you still did, but it. you forgave when you normally would just not forgive. Yeah, yes. I, I I I just found this film. It it was it was just too, it was too silly from the standpoint of like why are you making this film other than just to make another one? It doesn't have a sympathetic character that we can follow. I mean, technically the, the daughter of the, the drug cartel. So here's, here's the other thing too, right? Outside of the ambush scene, we never really see the drug cartel act at all. The only people we're seeing are terrorists who may or may not be connected to the drug cartel and uh, the mercenary group who's doing shit uh, outside of the law. Yeah, so like, the government is for sure the bad guys here, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the deep state bad guys. Yeah, and, and there's never a scene where we see the cartel chopping people up and hanging them from freeway overpasses. We see one guy shoot a kid in the head toward the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. Well, Let's see, he wouldn't want to be a soldado, dude. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we see that after the crazy events, like that... Yeah, but we that would have been boring though. Like we don't need to see the cartel. We know what they're up. Then we know they're up to shady shit. But but I I mean imagine going into this film like I I just think that this film doesn't justify the enemy being an enemy at all. It just goes like yeah, isn't it cool that we can just do whatever the fuck we want and go into Mexico and shoot at things? Does because like, the real enemy is us. <laughs> yeah, like that, that's, that's the level of what the film the smartness is. of this movie. It just it, I know to me it feels like a thirteen year old who's just like fuck the government, man. <laughs> and it's like uh, continue. I don't know. I, I mean, like fuck him. <laughs> I mean, I yes, I I, I kind of I don't know, but I kind of I kind of like that aspect of just like it's fucking dark, man. Everybody sucks. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a hypocrite because again, like there's certain punky things where like they're not making a big point, and I can still get behind it. This one just didn't. It didn't do anything to make me root for it. You know, like the, it didn't make me want to give it the benefit of the have fun. I guess there, maybe there also, are things too. There there are things too though, like. The, like Carson, you made allusions to Benicio del Toro's arc in this film, and I feel that like the end of his arc in this film feels like it was shot a year after they finished making this film because the first test audience didn't like the the film. So like, whoa, what if we add this stuff to the end? Wouldn't that make it cool? And people would be like, fuck yeah, by the end of the film. And it's like when I was watching it, I was like, really? That's what, like like this movie. This movie, the, the first movie is called Sicario, which means Hitman, and it's basically about Benicio del Toro. And this film, this fucking film is called Hitman: colon, The Soldier, but Benicio del Toro is also the soldier. Like it's just it's just Benicio del Toro: colon, Benicio del Toro, and I just don't get like what this film is trying to do. Oh my gosh, this is a new one. <laughs> Just when is this title gonna make sense? <laughs> I, I just, know. I mean, there, there's literally a character says the line, "So you want to be a Sicario?" Yeah. And here's the thing: that motherfucker doesn't want to actually be a Sicario, <laughs> dude. In Sicario Three, he's gonna fuck him up. I just, I, I like, even if you take an action that character makes earlier on in the film as motivation for his character, he did that under duress. So you can't even use that as the motivation for the character because he was forced to do that. Well, apparently Taylor Sheridan has a master plan for a Sicario trilogy, um, which he apparently. Yeah, his I, master plan is to make any money at all. I mean, I, I'll give him credit 
in the fact that like he delivered on his promise of it being very a very dark movie. Um, I, I mean, I I think that he is a strong writer. I do think that he um, needs other people to direct his shit because Wind River was not good. Um, I thought that. Um, so yeah, like like in this case, I feel like it is elevated by. The and maybe that maybe you know maybe the writing is uh simply elevated by the other technical aspects of the movie, but I mean, I think that all of that is really strong, just kind of going back to you know, I agree that the first movie is better directed, like Denny obviously a little more artfully directed in the first one. This is just going for a pure, like almost B movie action approach. Which is kind of what I was getting at at the Jurassic Park Lost World thing, where it was like Lost World is definitely more going going for more action adventure B movie route. Um, but I think Stefano Salima, um, which I feel like if you have a name like that, you definitely got to be a badass. Um, I feel like he did a really good job though. Um, I mean, I felt like he kept the, the intensity up. Like I, I thought the whole movie was intense. Like they, they play that Sicario score and like, I'm my buttholes puckered, man. Like I'm, I'm in it. I was puckered. Yeah, and then at the end, it's just all like, and I'm like, oh man, Johan, pour one out, um, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, like, it's, um, I mean, I thought it was extremely well made. Um, And like I said, in the beginning, I was a little wary because, you know, it starts off just incredibly fucking bleak. And I'm just like, I don't, maybe I don't want to see this Jonesy. And then like... You know, and then I you start to see how it's all coming together. And I was like, all right, now I can get behind this. I'm like, I'm just going to, it's the end times. I'll just embrace it. Sure. Let's go with it. Um, and uh, yeah. And I, I mean, like I said, I'll, of course, like, I mean, this is, I've, I feel like I've, I've said this many, many, many times of like, yeah, no point. Great. No likable characters. Great. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. I feel like that movie has all this. And I, I thought that it was um, incredibly ballsy of them to just go all in and be like, all right, yeah, that's how it's going to be. Like, it's so fucking, it's so fucking bleak that I, I don't even know what Sicario 3 would be. Like, it, I feel like the world is just going to end. Sicario 3, the, the world ends. Um, at the world's end uh, yeah I don't. <laughs> like it's gonna it's literally gonna be like the end of escape from la where kurt russell just turns off earth like benicio is just gonna be like adios <laughs> and then we're dead <laughs> and, and this movie was hinting at that in the trailers right because a big line from the trailers is this time no rules and it's like right. whoa you mean last time when he murdered a whole family that was <laughs> yeah. rules that was those, rules those are rules whoa dude <laughs> yeah and again like you know like all of the all of the like zingers and lines in this movie, I feel like uh, they have like a certain level, like they have that movie quality. Like there's almost a certain level of absurdity to it. Like, I don't know if Steven will agree, but I feel like there is, I I feel like there's almost a like killing of a sacred deer, Yorgos Lanthimos. Like we're, we're getting close to that territory. Like, I feel like, Catherine Keener's character, especially like she's she the w- closest. To yeah, that. I, like, I can I can see that for her. Which, by the way, Catherine Keener being evil villain in a sequel—that's like her new typecast, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, she was just like ice blood, ice blood cold in this movie. 
Um, but it was that weird disaffected tone, like a Yorgos thing, where yeah, she seems to just be like, "Kill all the children. We don't." <laughs> she care. was she was one like she was okay, one like government. <laughs> she was one like flatly executed line away from telling Josh Brolin that she jerked off her dad when she was younger. <laughs> but like it, it, even her character though is it's always serving a thing, right? We can't let this get tied back to the to the United States. Right. She's at least Mm -hmm. her evilness is facilitating a thing that you understand that governs her actions. All the other characters like fucking we just go in there and do whatever we want because there's no rules. She's at least like, hey, clean this up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but she's kind of like clean it up. But like, I don't care how you do it type of thing. You know, like clean it up. No rules. (laughs) (laughs) So to me, one structural issue is that if you like zoom out and try to describe what happened in this movie like the the path that Benicio and uh, Josh Brolin and the little girl go on it's very like nothing needed to happen right there's no like point a to point b which is okay like I get the point of the Sicario movies is kind of like it's all crazy it's all meaningless you know it's a very nihilistic view of the world but there's just something weird about the plot plot mechanism where it's like okay, we're going to cross the border, and then we're going to cross the border. Oh, fuck, now you need to cross the border. And like that, that's like the whole movie. It, like, I, mean, I, I it, wanted to see I, things escalate in a way that was more like... I, I, I don't know. I, I wanted it to be more predictable, kind of, because I wanted to see the stakes get amped with this cartel war and at least then feel like it was building towards some kind of major finale instead of kind of, you know, zigzagging back and forth in this desert. Well, I, I think... I think the basics of the plot make sense, right? Their plan to start the drug war makes sense. And I think even they're crossing the border multiple times. They do it once in helicopters. Then they have to, as part of their uh, cover story for how they ended up with this person in their possession, they have to maintain it the way they would if they were doing that on duty. So, like, I'm fine with that. I just think that, like, the overall where they're going um, doesn't make sense, like, once things get messed up, like, I don't, I don't know. It just, it just feels like a thing where it's like the plan was simple. It went awry. They're just supposed to clean up the plan now, but they're still putting themselves in danger in situations where it doesn't feel like they need to. And we don't really, I think if this film ended before the time jump, then we we could go like, Oh, all the shit's going to really hit the fan after this. But the fact that it just jumps in time and we aren't caught up to what happened in the year <laughs> that takes place like you just tried to start a drug war with a major freaking drug cartel and then you jump forward a year and don't even reference whether or not that worked or what's going on you just go like, eh, for Sicario 3 now. dude yeah so i'm okay with that because i see the end <laughs> as like a post credit scene and maybe the next movie goes back yeah but it just I, I don't know like again like maybe as the middle part of a trilogy i get it a little more like maybe it's the empire strikes back type situation but I, I just don't i don't i don't know it just added to the meaninglessness you know like it already i was already turned off by the the use of current events and the like like i'm not gonna say this movie is necessarily like xenophobic or racist or anything but it's certainly like stirring really gross feelings about that like like it makes me clench for that reason too where i'm just like oh this is like so terribly close to shit that we have to worry about already in current events um and, and that like like it would have been nice for it to give me some point or some kind of goofy finale that would have made me be like all right but like you ramped up the silly and i get it and it like 
when it's just going in circles, biding its time till the next one, it it just makes me like less generous toward it. So all I'm left with is the tone that it's giving you, which is not, I don't, I don't know, not pleasant. And, and, and like, it, I, I'm kind of okay with the idea that people are worth more money than cocaine. So drug cartels would shift from moving cocaine to moving people instead. I'm fine with that as an idea and a concept. The way they try to like shoehorn that into like, well, what if they were smuggling terrorists? Isn't that a great idea? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it just it just felt really weird, especially with that scene towards the end where they're like, well, we <laughs> we looked it up. They're from they was Col- from Joyzy. <laughs> yeah. It just seemed like so what? dumb. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it off my um. Uh... I did like the um, I did like the little little touches like when the when the like suburban mom pulled up in her minivan to pick up the one kid. I was like, how do you get that job? <laughs> I was like, this, this is fucked up, man. Also, why does the kid need like <laughs> a white lady with a baby to smuggle him across the border? They make a huge point of the fact that he has a passport and can just cross freely. Yeah, but if you're with the white lady, they're not going to stop her. He could be on a bicycle and be like, here's my passport. And they'd be like, cool. You can't well, that, smuggle anything on your bike. Uh, that might look suspicious, dude. I don't know. I, I don't even know why I'm I'm questioning this. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was interesting because it seems like something that that... I, I mean, it, it kind of felt like uh, a thing where like Taylor Sheridan read an article about like soccer moms who... <laughs> carpool with drug people you know something like that and he was like i'm putting that in the movie uh it kind of felt like that but i don't know it was a little little interesting nugget to put in there um yeah i don't know where i was going with that yeah i i didn't mind that part again, again like the plot was dumb but the dumbness didn't bother me that much i was already just turned off by other stuff i did find it fascinating sort of to be like like the whole time I was watching, I was like, what if this was your job? Like, what if that you've like, you had Josh Brolin or like Catherine Keener's job? Like, that'd be like, so like, you just have to be so just like, oh, I don't care. Yeah. Like just ice, like ice cold, man. Yeah. This is how Crazy. you become Thanos for sure. Yeah, definitely. Thanos origin story. Um, yeah. So should we get to verdicts guys? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I was going to say, since we probably aren't going to have a spoiler section, but uh, I will say the girl in it, uh, who was the girl from the last Transformers movie. Uh, oh, I didn't that, recognize her. I thought yeah, she was actually, I thought she was good in this. Like, she was kind of annoying in the last Transformers, but she was, uh, she did a good job in this movie. Yeah, um, she, she's fine. And the end of the movie is, uh, again, pretty fucked up, but uh, I enjoyed it. The last, like, 30 second shot of her face. <laughs> Oh, in the helicopter? I don't know. I was so off board by then. I'm going to edit this out, but did I miss it? Like, they rescue her at the end of the movie, right? Yeah, but it's just like a 30-second shot of her, like, catatonic face because she's just, like, irreparably fucked. I mean, this is the... In the Sicario universe, like, women show up and just get broken by this terrible, terrible (laughs) world, and then they get discarded at the end of the movie. And then Josh Brolin says, like, you should be grateful we're saving you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That is that's definitely their MO. Well, I think Sicario <laughs> 3 is going to be him throwing out of the helicopter to get the soul stone. 
Yeah, totally. Anyways. So yeah. I'm just sad Soldado O'Brien didn't make a cameo in this movie. <laughs> on that note, now can we finally get to verdicts, guys? <coughs> yeah. All right. Carson Patrick, if you're going to give this a must-see, recommend the caveat, wait for until pass the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, we're, you're, you're easy to shop for at Christmas. I don't celebrate Christmas. Well, you will this year. <laughs> must-see. Um, I'm, I'm going to go for... Uh, uh, I think pass for the caveat <laughs> is how I feel. Because oh, that's my favorite line. <laughs> so funny. I, I'm going to pass for the caveat because the movie made me like very angry again. I think it's reckless. I think it like traffics in ideas and imagery that just isn't worth alongside of the people in terrorists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that isn't worth subjecting yourself to. I think it does it in a decently well-made way if you take away the plot. So like, I'll give it credit that it did what it set out to do. I just don't like what it set out to do, and I don't think it's worth watching uh i'm gonna give this film a one kid jumping out of a truck for no goddamn reason um and i think that translates to a must avoid wow no so no redeeming qualities whatsoever i think this lacked the things that redeemed the first film i at least enjoyed the tone and like the style of the first film and like those moments of incredible tension and i think that the few redeeming moments in this film dealt with like basically just how they handled the girl like in that one building to convince her that they were the good guys um when i saw that part i was like this is the part chris likes <laughs> i was like yeah yeah nice i like this um and then uh that was pretty much the only part that i thought was pretty decent <laughs> No, you didn't like anything else. You didn't think the cinematography was good, the acting you, was good. You know I don't see cinematography. I know. That's why why do you even have a movie podcast? I don't even understand. Sometimes I don't understand these things. I care about story, Carson, and dialogue. I know. This just, film was just, not very good. Just like every other basic. The dialogue was in some language I don't understand. <laughs> story I, first. I, I don't know. They kept talking in, in Spanish. And in sign language, and I just didn't understand it. Story first, you know, but Jurassic World, recommend, even though I thought it was dumb. How do you speak sign language? <laughs> that was pretty badass, though. Of course really? he speaks sign language. He's Benicio del Toro. Come on. He speaks everything. But Carson, yeah. why would a soldier know sign language? So? Why would, a dinosaur sell, why would a dinosaur You're sell for $4 million? Why would a You're dinosaur sell for $4 million? What? Whose Four family million. they killed? Why would Buffalo Bill go in the cage and try and steal the fucking teeth? <laughs> when he knows he's going to get eaten, okay? Should know better than that. Put hey, hey, skin. For the record, I'm the one in that episode that justified that decision from that guy. <sighs> I don't know, man. Anyways, this review is done. <laughs> Carson Patrick, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they find I'm you? I'm just going to crawl back into my hole. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Sicolio. <laughs> crawl back into my own asshole. <laughs> Cornholio, too. <laughs> uh, Carson, you, day of the Patrick. <laughs> you could find me, like, just 
lurking people's letterbox reviews. I guess where you can find me. Cool, I'm really, Steven. I'm really fascinated with letterbox now because it's like all the same reviews. Like they're all like it's almost like you have to be pretentious to write reviews on letterbox. And I'm not oh, saying that's just true. there's a subculture you haven't found yet of very unpretentious letterbox <laughs> but like, but, reviews. But like, and it's not just Steve. Like, there's this guy that Sarah and I know that like. Is the, it has like the funniest letterbox. It's like it's like little haikus of pretension that are like so far up its own ass that it makes Steven's reviews look like Tucker Max. Like it's so <laughs> funny. It's so funny. That's what I've been striving for my whole life. Like so, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just, so St- Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week. They can find me in hell where I hope they serve beer. <laughs> <laughs> or they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Sicario, Day of the Soldado. So hopefully you are enjoying that. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, Carson. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> I do not so, know how to say, say, say things <laughs> sincerely because I have a robot heart. <laughs> what, what's the next Josh Brolin movie that you're coming back for? Uh, I don't know. Hey, he's got a Netflix new Jody Hill movie out this Friday. Oh, yeah? I don't know if you guys want to watch that, but uh, yeah. I think he's done for the year. He, but he's not doing a Labor Day 2 Day of the Peach Cobbler? <laughs> <laughs> this Peach Cobbler... I, I, I saw, I saw. I snapped my <laughs> fingers and the peaches. Let me get this out. I, I saw <laughs> Call Me By Your Name and I got inspired to make a new peach movie. <laughs> Did I make a James and the Giant Peach joke in our Call Me By Your Name <laughs> review? <clears throat> I don't remember. I would watch Josh Brolin as Thanos uh, in a Labor Day remake. <laughs> that would be good. I'm going to show your mom how to make peach pie you're gonna become a man right now <laughs> and then toby mcguire as spider-man as peter parker shows up at the end to narrate it that would be naturally good. yeah all right well uh <laughs> i think we've ended it like five times <laughs> yeah i'll probably just cut out earlier <laughs> this is all gold dude you gotta leave that in <laughs>